Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. We are breaking down the IU versus Maryland game uh, coming up on Saturday at 3.30. The game will be carried on ESPNU. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Our co-host, TJ Inman, will be along shortly uh, to talk a little IU football uh, with us. Uh, it's a big game for IU, coming in 3-4, and 1-3 and three in the Big Ten, uh, needing this win to um, keep their bowl hopes uh, alive. They won't be mathematically eliminated from that uh, with a loss. But uh, if you go through the schedule uh, with five games left, the, the three against Maryland, uh, Rutgers, and Purdue uh, look like the three uh, best chances they have to pulling out a victory and, and getting to six wins. So uh, we'll take a look at the importance of this game, what IU needs to do to win, um, if there is any uh, hope that Indiana can uh, turn around this this offensive slump they've been in, and if the defense can contain uh, Maryland's run game, which is uh, very good and and very deep as well as they have uh, four running backs that have uh, you know gone over a hundred yards rushing, uh, six total rushers that have gone over a hundred yards rushing. So uh, let's bring in TJ. Uh, TJ, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. But, um, TJ, we said earlier in the week this is a, a must-win game. Um, yeah. Is is this truly a, a must-win game, or is that just us trying to hype this game up to, to IU fans and, and keep them interested? Mathematically, it's definitely not a must-win game. Obviously, it does not take a genius to figure out that uh, after this contest, Indiana would still have four more games to get three more wins. Um, so, Mathematically, no, but uh, I think realistically you look at the way that the offense has played so far, and it's very difficult to imagine them beating, if they lose to Maryland, it's very very difficult to imagine them beating Rutgers, uh, Penn State, and Purdue to get those three wins, and impossible to imagine them beating Michigan. Um, So, uh, you know, Penn State obviously being the other one that would be uh, you'd be a somewhat substantial underdog in if you lost to Maryland here. Um, I think the Penn State home game it, it's it's still possible for them to lose to Maryland and then play well at Rutgers, win that game, and then defeat Penn State and then uh, defeat Purdue. That's that's still possible so they could still get to a bowl game. Um, so I, I I can understand if someone is saying, well, you know, it's not really a must-win game. Well, that's true, but I think if you want to realistically still expect to go to a bowl game, 
winning on Saturday is crucial. So in my opinion, it's as close to a, uh, a true must-win as you can get. I mean, the only must-wins are the games that when there's no possible chance afterwards for you to to accomplish your goals. So I guess by that definition, it's not. But uh, I think in the minds of, of most, myself included, uh, it's a game that if you're going to go to a bowl game, you need to win on Saturday. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it's it's more of a must-win mentally for this team. Uh, it's in the middle of a, a three-game losing streak. Uh, yeah. lost four out of the last five. Um, the, the the win against Michigan State was great. Now that um, you know, Michigan State looks uh, not well, – whatever the opposite of world beaters are, that's what they are. Uh, I mean, they're about to lose, I think, their sixth in a row as they host Michigan this week. Uh, but mm-hmm. – you know, I think mentally for this team to come out, play well, and get a win will take a lot of that that pressure and stress and, and get the monkey off their back, so to speak. Uh, it, it is at, it's a home game. It's a matchup opponent uh, in terms of this is, you know, is we, we've been texting off and away from the show uh, that this, this game is uh, almost a toss-up game. And you know, you should yeah. give Indiana the slight edge. They're playing at home. You know, they don't have to travel. There probably won't be very Maryland, uh, many Maryland fans, so it's not going to be like Nebraska where the opponent's fans come in and take over the stadium. Uh, there'll be probably a couple hundred Maryland fans, uh, maybe a thousand or so, and it'll be mostly a pro IU crowd. So, you know, from a mental standpoint, this is absolutely must must-win game before traveling, hitting the road against Rutgers. And, you know, we've seen the frustration on the field, uh, you know, manifest itself in, in players, you know, yelling and, and uh, you know, shaking their heads and, and looking up at the sky. So I think a, a win will put a little bit more confidence uh, into their, their minds and, and really just steady, steady the boat that, um, you know, steady the boat that has gone off course a little bit uh, this season. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that it's you know, I, the most visible uh, visible case of frustration that we saw on the field was uh, last Saturday with, with Ricky Jones. Um, I, I don't know what you would say. You can't, can't really read too much into it, and his frustration was certainly understandable, but Richard Legault, um, missed him on an out route on a uh, fourth and goal that was kind of the final nail in the coffin of that loss at Northwestern pass, and it was one of quite a few that weren't good passes, and uh, Ricky Jones kind of gesticulating, uh, like you said, kind of just visible frustration, and there are signs of that that kind of creeping in. <coughs> um, the I do kind of wonder what I, I don't I don't know about the the mindset of Indiana's fan base. I just I, I find it a little bit odd that so many people and we we talked about it a little bit before the Northwestern game. I find it a little bit odd that so many people were kind of commenting around social media that oh you come on you you can't lose to Northwestern. What exactly do people think that the two programs are? 
mean, if you're comparing football programs, Northwestern should be the one saying, oh, you can't lose to Indiana. I mean, it, it's they're not really even close here in the past 20 years. I mean, it's not I, – I don't no, – I'm not saying back, Indiana uh, – no, I, I was going. I, I I was down on the field at, at Ryan Field and, and looking up towards the press box side of the stadium. You see all the the Northwestern years that they went to bowls, which bowl games, yeah. you know, Big Ten championships and and stuff like that. Up until about 1995, Northwestern was where Indiana is, or right. was back, you know, a couple years ago. And now that yeah. they they've rattled off a handful of bowl games. They're, you know, won 10 games. They, they've won a bowl game. Uh, they usually knock off somebody every year. You know, last year it was Stanford, um, and, and they usually, you know, knock off one of those teams every year and, and are consistently going to bit, um, bowl games and, and, and things like that. But, you know, it, it's it, – it, there have been people that are saying that Indiana is doomed to being a mediocre team, and, and – Sure, right now they are a mediocre team. They have all the telltale signs of a mediocre team. They play up and down to their um, their competition, it seems. But Northwestern's not a bad team, and, and they have one of the best coaches in college football. Uh, they're paying him more than IU pays Kevin Wilson. They're doing it at a school who whose students don't even get to campus until mid-September. So, you know, their stadium student section is empty for the, at least their first two home games, if not more. Um, that, that, I mean, it, there's no reason IU should, should be able to become a Northwestern-like program where they can go to, you know, bowl games right. three out of every four years or, or four out of every five and things like that. And maybe, you know, playing in the West helps Northwestern like that, but – you know, there's no reason how you can't win six games. But to 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 think that this Northwestern program isn't any good or it's embarrassing to lose on the road at Northwestern. IU hasn't won there since 1993. Right. It's not like, you know, they, they were 7-0 and in the last seven games up there going in or had, you know, won a handful of games in the last 20 years. They, were, they hadn't won since 1993. They've beaten Northwestern – you know, the last time was 2008. So to to think that Northwestern isn't any good, I think you need to, to put down Twitter and, 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 you know, really research your college football stuff. So um, going yeah. into to Maryland, they're coming in at five and uh, five and two, coming off a nice win against Michigan State. Um, I think that, that they had previously lost uh, two games uh, to – one, one to Penn State, one to Minnesota. Not sure on yes. the order of that, um, of that, of Penn the schedule. But you know, yeah. yeah. So it, Minnesota had trouble at home with Rutgers last week, and, and Penn State, of course, we we all know we saw they uh, they knocked off Ohio State in a weird game where statistically you go how how in the world are they still in this game. Yeah. I think they were outgained by, you know, at least 150 yards. And, and just all the numbers were skewed towards the Ohio State side. And all of a sudden, uh, a breakdown on special teams and, and a blocked field goal goes back for a touchdown. And, and Urban Meyer is staring at a another playoff less year in, in Columbus. And Ohio State fans are freaking out. And, you know, it's kind of funny. But, um, you know, Mar- Maryland – 
they, they've played common opponents. They they beat FIU uh, down there. I believe it was 42-14, uh, something along those lines. But they really haven't done anything great besides run the ball. Uh, they have six rushers who are over 100 yards, uh, led by Lorenzo Harrison, um, who's averaging 7.7 yards per carry, which is terrific. But he's only, you know, attempted 65 runs. That's the um, the rushing attack. To me, uh, you probably watched them more than I have. It just seems it's by committee with Lorenzo Harrison, Ty Johnson. Um, you know, I, Trey Edmonds looks like he's out, but um, they have some other guys in there as well. Who, you know, it just seems like they always have fresh legs and and can can dominate a game on the ground. Yeah, it's a very interesting offense, at least to me, to watch. They have a new offensive coordinator that came in with uh, first-year head coach DJ Durkin. Uh, His name's Walt Bell. Um, It's a pretty interesting attack. They they do a lot of kind of unique things with the running game that uh, I think is is pleasant to watch. It's typically not just straight handoffs up the middle. Uh, A lot of getting the running backs on the move. Um, And both Ty Johnson, Harrison... Uh, are guys that are fun to watch because they're they're fairly explosive um, and they do a pretty good job of getting them into space. Now, the critical thing for Indiana is going to be kind of that, I, I think it's, they didn't do a very good job of setting the edge last week uh, in the first probably four series against Justin Jackson but uh, they did a tremendous job of that afterwards. They did a really good job of tackling Justin Jackson in space and just keeping him moving toward the sideline without giving him any lane to cut up the field north and south, or in this case, just north, obviously. Um, So it was a really good adjustment by Indiana's defense to set the edge better. We're going to see that a lot on Saturday as well as Maryland attempts to get both Johnson and Harrison to the outside much like Justin Jackson tried to. Uh, so it's it's up to guys like Tigre Scales, Marcus Oliver, uh, Marcelino Balsam, and then, you know, second-string linebackers, uh, Chris Covington especially, is a guy that's getting a lot of play. Um, he did not play last those guys. Um, Who did? You know, Chris Covington did not play last week. At least he wasn't on the participation chart, and I don't remember seeing him in the game, and he's a guy who's um, where, you know, you're watching Marcus Oliver kind of struggle to get to the edge uh, with with some speed where he's a guy who could fill in for Marcus Oliver. He's a little bit faster, and every time he seems to be playing this year, he's laying a lick on somebody. So he's a guy hopefully, you know, I don't know what what's going on with no. him, but hopefully, you know, he's, he's healthy and, and back. And, and can spell Marcus Oliver for a little bit. And you saw Damian Willis uh, come in last yep. week as well. And he he's a guy who I think that's what changed the running game a little bit was he came in for Marcus Oliver, gave Oliver a spell. And after that, they contained the run game pretty well. But yep. you're right, this team is very, very fast. And, and playing scales is, is going to be in there uh, a lot. But hopefully they have Chris Covington and, and Damian Willis can set those edges along with Marcelino Ball and and some of those faster safeties. Yeah, here's 
I mean, you look at the the runs that Harrison and Johnson have. Harrison has runs this year of 40, 62, 44, and 37. Uh, so, you know, that's big explosive runs for him. And then Ty Johnson, both these guys are Maryland uh, natives, so that's kind of cool for them. Uh, and they're young, too. I mean, Harrison's a freshman and, and Johnson's a sophomore. Um, Johnson's averaging 10.3 yards to carry. Again, not a ton of carries, but, you know, because they do, like you said, spread the wealth. But he's got runs of 76 and 44. And then Perry Hills, their quarterback, and we'll talk about his throwing here in a minute. Um, he has not run, number one, he's not run near as many times as he did last season. And number two, he's not run near as effectively when he has run, which is kind of interesting. Uh, his yards per yeah, carry are only down, averaging uh, like 2.1 yeah. or something. Is that right? Uh, Two point seven uh, is what I have okay. on the stats um, with two touchdowns. He has a long of, of 30. He's only averaging 23.3 yards per game on 51 sure. carries. Now, there's some sacks that go into that, and I think that's yeah. uh, where, you know, that's where those negative yardage come, come in. I think he's been sacked. Maryland's given up 20 sacks on the year. I don't know um, what the breakdown of that is, but – uh, giving up 20 sacks, you're going to lose some yardage. I think that's somewhere where if IU um, – and we'll get to Hill's passing, uh, as you said in a minute, TJ, but that's where I, IU, if they could stuff the run and make it third and long, IU could have some success on defenses. Making him pass, taking advantage of this offensive line who has given up 20 sacks um, and, and maybe bring some pressure, but – you know, last year we saw Perry Hills did not play against Indiana last year. He missed the game with um, with Mono, but, you know, it was very evident in that game that these Maryland quarterbacks could not throw the ball. Uh, but that has changed this year. They don't throw it often as uh, Perry Hills has only attempted 107 passes, but he's completing two-thirds of those, um, and, and he's very efficient in there with 822 yards uh, and eight touchdowns. Uh, with a long pass of, of 66. So, you know, they, they can throw it around. They they like these short throws where they can complete the passes. And he's only only has two interceptions. After um, after last year where the team had 29 interceptions, that was a big emphasis for them coming into the year. So they're taking care of the yeah. ball. They're efficient. And, you know, is there is there something I'm missing on, on Perry Hills? No, I, I... – I think that his improvement in the passing game, which you're not going to see, um, you're going to see one of two things. You're going to see short passes to try, like we said, get those playmakers the ball in space, uh, and you're going to see a couple of deep shots as well, which Indiana's done a pretty good job, actually a very good job, of defending uh, defending deep shots this year. They haven't, the ones they've given up, you haven't felt like they were just major busted coverages. It's just been throws. Uh, the only exception would be last week early against Northwestern, and, and I think that uh, Tom Allen this week took the took the blame for that um, with, with the scheme stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Maryland approaches this improved Indiana defense because you're unable to load the box like you could last year against them. It was, like you said, very apparent when Indiana took on Maryland last year, that Maryland just – there was no threat of a passing game. You did not worry about them beating you through the air. Uh, you probably don't worry about them beating you 
through the air here, but but they're able to get first downs through the air, which is not something you could have said last year, and it's really helped them uh, become a more balanced offense. So uh, for Indiana, the key on defense is going to be, I think, limiting those first down runs, which is going to be most of the time it's going to be runs on first down, limiting the explosive plays, and Indiana is just one of two teams this year, San Diego State's the other, that has not given up a run of more than 30 yards. So they've done a really good that'll job be, of not allowing explosive runs. Uh, and that will that'll be challenged, be challenged this, this week. Absolutely, yeah. It, that, that'll be key number two. And then key number three, when you do get them into those passing, obvious passing situations, Getting pressure, but Maryland offensive line, as you said, not a great pass-blocking offensive line. They will allow some sacks. They will allow pressure. So getting pressure onto Perry Hills. And then if you have an opportunity to make a play as a defensive back, you got to make it. Tom Allen talked about how much it frustrated him that they had three dropped interceptions. They're not getting those takeaways uh, recently that they've put such an emphasis on. So when you get a chance to make a play like that, you've got to do it. Uh, so those, to me, are going to be the three keys for the defense. And I I think this Maryland offense is, is a pretty good balanced unit with the potential to have explosive plays, but it's definitely not an overwhelming unit. I think that they are, uh, skill level-wise, they're, they're below a couple of the teams Indiana's played, above a couple of the teams. They're right in the middle of what Indiana's played so far. And based on what we've seen from the defense, um, I think it's fair to expect them to, to hold Maryland somewhere in the in the low 20s. I think that that is a fair a fair thing to to hope for, and so that's kind of the target for the offense for me is get into the 30s, and you feel really good about winning the game. Now, doing that, getting into the 30s, has been a problem. Yes, uh, it has, and we'll transition to the offense here. I, I do want to point out that Maryland's uh, all-world corner uh, will likely is it was done for the year uh, with the knee injury, and uh, it, it's too bad. He was a fun player to watch, but uh, I, I believe it's I forgot who's starting for him. Uh, I think it's it's Jalen Brooks started for him last week. He'll start again probably this week uh, at that corner. But it's again another banged-up secondary where Indiana can can make something happen if they throw the ball well. They, they've only picked off uh, four passes, one of them coming from a linebacker, uh, Jermaine Carter III, uh, or Jermaine Carter Jr., sorry. Um, so th- they'll be able to move the ball ho- through the air. Uh, you know, you have Dan Feeney back hopefully at 100%. Uh, he's been practicing. I think having his presence at practice will improve the line play, which is – been absolutely killer for this offense uh, in terms of getting the run game going. Uh, Maryland is giving up, I think, in the last three games, 292 yards per game on the ground. Uh, and, you know, they got gashed by Michigan State, who wasn't a good running team. Uh, Indiana held them, I, I think, under 200 yards rushing, um, maybe even less than that, under 175. So it, it's a game which could cure a lot of ills. Uh, for the IU offense, but the key is to put points on the board, and, and that starts with efficiency in in the red zone and in the scoring zone. Uh, you could see, I think, based on play calling, is that 
you know, they're not going to take these these field goals from from 40 yards out and um, early in the game, which which personally I, I think is a mistake. You know, you got to you know score points any way you can instead of turning it over on downs. But the there were two drives that were inside the 10 yard line with first and goal, and and they came away with with little to nothing, and and that's got to change. Our matchup to watch this week uh, by Alex Compton was Danny Friend on Jermaine Carter. Uh, We'll see everybody's clamoring for more tight end play and and for them to be used more. I think that's a tool that they haven't really used. They have three tight ends. Danny Friend has seven catches and two touchdowns, and the plays that they've run with him in the scoring zone have worked really well on that wheel route. you know they tried to target Ian Thomas in the in the end zone last week, but he was covered. But let's let's see some some crossing routes, some some things down the middle where you know these guys aren't you know six two. Some of them are are six five, six six, and can can really you know get up and catch the ball, especially with in the absence of Jordan Fuchs and and Simi Cobbs for the IU offense. So what do you think besides just saying get the ball across the the, the stupid goal line is the uh, is the cure-all for Indiana's red zone offense? Well, um, you know, we we are certainly not uh, as play-calling savvy as Kevin Wilson, um, but, I, you know, I, I we mentioned last last time that instead of just complaining, we'll offer a few uh, offer a few things that we think might help, and these aren't guaranteed to work, but I do think it's imperative on Saturday that we see different things than we have seen recently in the red zone or in just in scoring chance opportunity. Um, I mean, Indiana had six drives that started or that made it inside of Northwestern's 30, but you would say once you get inside the 30, you want to get points of some kind. And for me, six drives inside the 30, you want to get, you know, something, like 27 points would be a, a really good out, uh, output there. Three touchdowns, two field goals, 27 points out of six drives inside the 30. You feel really good about that. Um, Indiana got 12. <laughs> and that, that's, that's kind of a – it was a continuing theme throughout the season, and we talked about it before the season even. And so I think what you want to see is different. Like you said, crossing routes to the tight end would be something that I'd like to see. Um, I'd like to see, you know, quick slants to uh, Mitchell Page or, or Nick Westbrook or Ricky Jones or Camion Patrick. How about that? He's a big physical receiver. Uh, we saw a little bit more of him. I think he's getting himself worked into the game plan more. Uh, just, I, I think it's important for everyone, including myself, to remember he's still just it's a surprise even to see him on the field as he's just ahead of where he should be based on what you expect from his injury rehab time. So it, it's, you know, they're not, he's not going to be getting a ton of snaps. Uh, they're not going to be putting a ton on his plate and he, he does need to get himself worked in and, and have good timing with the quarterback and all that. But we're seeing more of him. So maybe he's an option in the red zone on, uh, on crossing routes over the middle. So I'd like to see some of that. Um, I would like to see. I'd like to see more like of those gadgets. Well, that's what I was about to say. Is more creativity. Um, I thought that the the sweep to 
Nick Westbrook, which involved a uh, fake handoff, so it was kind of a play-action sweep, I guess. Um, th- that worked very well. Westbrook was, was wide open. He ran, could have walked into the end zone, so that worked very well. Uh, we saw uh, the, for Divine Redding against Nebraska was kind of a similar type play, ran the other direction. Um, so that type of action has worked a little bit. Uh, one thing that I, I would not mind having them try out, uh, not not the first possession that they get inside the red zone, but if they start out the game by having struggles there, go to Xander Diamond in the red zone. I I, I don't I don't know if it's going to work. I'm not guaranteeing that him going in there and doing read, zone read stuff will work, especially if all he ever does is keep it. At some point, he's going to have to give it up on those uh, for for there to be any or or pull it back and throw it. Maybe you you run a, a zone read play action uh, where you get him on the move and give him a, a pass option to a tight end that releases off of a block. Um, I don't know if it's going to work, but if they continue to struggle in the red zone, why not try it? So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Is we need to see more creativity inside the red zone. I unless the running game is really humming, which hey, having Dan Feeney and I, you know, last week yes he played that's true, but not really. He, he has told you, I mean he he said it this week that he's not he was not himself last week. He was rusty, not in game shape. He only played about half the snaps, rotating with Bailey. Uh, I would expect that he'd be back to more of his normal every snap roll this week. Maybe not quite every snap. I don't know exactly where he's at physically, but he'll play almost all the game, I would guess. Um, he's no longer listed at or on the depth chart. It's just Feeney there at right guard. So um, maybe that run game to the right side looks better this week with Dan Feeney back. Um, but unless that run game is really humming, I really don't want to see any inside handoffs to Divine Redding inside of the red zone on first and second down, hoping you can get the first down. Because it, we've seen it for six or seven games now, and it it's, continues to put you into pressure situations on third down where you are then forced to make a decision on fourth down. And so far, those decisions have turned out not to be executed well or just been the wrong ones. So I think what we're looking for uh, we're in agreement that more creativity and more action for the tight ends, hopefully on you know crossing routes or or uh, maybe late releases off of blocks, just something to get those guys, Austin Doris, Ian Thomas, uh, Danny Friend, get them involved and give them a chance to have an impact on the game. Uh, go with those different packages than what we've seen because so far – what is what has been tried has has failed inside of the red zone uh, way more times than is acceptable. And against an opponent like Maryland, that's a matchup opponent, it's going to be things like who turns it over more, who commits more penalties, and who executes inside the red zone. Those are probably what's going to end up determining this game. So yeah, it's all it's all the little things that will, this week. Yeah, yeah, that, it's. Well, we call them little things, and that's what everybody says. You know, they're they're quote unquote the little things. But 
those little things are typically what decides ball games unless you're vastly superior to your opponent, which is not the case for either side this week. So I, I'm very interested to see how Indiana attacks this defense because, like you said, they're vulnerable against the run. They've been pretty stout against the pass, but as you mentioned, Will likely not playing, so that changes that a little bit. But they're 13th best against the run or against the pass in terms of uh, um, yards surrendered. They're giving up less than 200 per game through the air. Um, so 100, got 173. Yeah, so you've got a, a very strong pass defense against a pass offense that, while it's put up yards and moved the ball well, I think it's fair to say it's lacking confidence right now. And then a, a struggling run defense can deny you run game that has been pretty abysmal uh, next to last. Purdue's the only worst team in the Big Ten in rushing right now in conference play. So, um, Yeah, and that, that includes yeah, a, a, a huge 10-yard performance against Maryland in the first game. Right, yeah. I mean, the, they that, actually that had 16 yards there. rushing heading into the fourth quarter of that game and somehow ended up with 10. <laughs> yeah, that, that oh. Maryland-Purdue game is something that we mentioned to each other in text message that that – that game, I mean, you're still dealing with only seven games of stats, and that one really skews things for Maryland in terms of the run game. Um, I think it makes their run defense look better than it actually is, um, and it looks makes their overall run attack, while well, it is good, it's, it's good. That's not a fluke. Maryland does run the ball quite well. but Yeah, but any time you put up 400 yards. Yeah. Yeah, it inflates numbers a little bit when you have 400 in the sample size of seven. So yep. that that does inflate things somewhat, but um, make no mistake. It's it's a, a run defense that Indiana should, emphasis on should, be able to move the ball on. We want to see, I know we're in agreement on this, we want to see more Devontae Williams yep. getting an opportunity to get the ball on the outside. We've talked about it for yep. weeks. We saw it once last week, and he made a play. Yeah, four carries, 42 yards, I think. So 10.5 yards per carry. Um, you have Dan Feeney coming back, who's very good at, at pulling and, and getting out to the outside. So maybe that even that screen with Mike Majette, uh comes back to be a very successful play. It's just, you know, I, I, I hate to, to rag on Divine Redding because he does play hard. And he's a nice running back as, as you know, your number two guy who could come in for 15, uh, 12, 15 carries a game and give you a spark. But uh, so yeah. far this season as the, as the feature back, he hasn't been great. It's time to, you know, maybe do what Maryland's doing and, and put your faster guys out there and, and spread the carries out a little bit more and give Williams and, uh, Mike Majette, a, a little bit more of a chance. And, and uh, you know, we, we've seen Tyler Nitti. He hasn't really flourished the way we've thought uh, since uh, his big game against Michigan State. But he's a guy who you would think down in the goal line you could give the yep. ball to and he can make, you know, run over a guy or make a guy miss and, and get into the end zone. And a, and a guy who's been missing in action is Clyde Newton. He didn't even travel with the team last last week uh, up there. I don't think he traveled with the team to Ohio State. Um, That's and scary, yeah. he, he's, 
does not have a carry yet. He's a guy that uh, Coach McCullough said he he's going to play. When when we asked him about Clyde Newton in, in fall camp, hey, he's going to play. So, you know, he's a guy who looked good in practice. He looked like he could be a bruising back where he, you can wear down this defense. He hasn't played. So, you know, we'll see going forward what they do with the running back personnel. I think Cole Guest is a huge loss. Um, yeah. And will probably redshirt, um, seeing that you're not, you know, he's eligible for it. He's a freshman, and there's only five games left. And do you really want to waste the year, uh, the rest of the year? But he was a huge loss because he gave you that explosiveness and um, the 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 big body, uh, not big body, but the the heavier run set uh, where he, he was yeah. explosive, could hit the hole and go, and he and he was fear, fearless as well. So we'll see what they do on offense. I, I think we're, we both agree. I think that those gadget plays in the red zone have worked well. I know some fans don't, you know, think that it's a slight on what kind of football program we are, but you've got to score points. Um, yeah, and and if that's the way you're scoring points, then you look like a genius as a coach. Who cares how you get touchdowns? Um, Alabama runs is, gimmick plays. Yeah. Uh, everybody runs gimmick plays if they work. If they don't work, you yeah. look you know, you look like it's stupid, but they have been working. I use, I think it scored on, on three or four of them this year, but let's keep trying it. Energize, energize the fans at the stadium this week. Get, get, uh, get some points on the board. Um, and, and we'll see where, where they go from there. Uh, TJ, let's get into some piece of the game in, in a little bit more detail. Uh, first, I think, uh, my, my first, uh, key to the game is IU getting off to a quick start. The last two weeks they've yeah. fallen into uh, double-digit holes really early on. Uh, Maryland is outscoring opponents 54-14 in the first quarter. I think just as a confidence boost, IU needs to, to get on the board first, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, um, and and really take away, if, if IU gets out to a good start, you kind of take away the rushing attack of Maryland you know, they're not that explosive in the passing game. And, you know, if they do, if Maryland does get up fast, man, that clock is going to melt away. And, and we might see our, our first under, you know, eight-hour IU football game this week. Uh, but um, it, it realistically, it's under three and a half hours would be nice. But, you know, IU needs to come out, score some points, get some confidence under uh, Lego in the offense, maybe, you know, establish a run. Even you know if you win the toss, I, I'm I'm telling the offense let's let's take the ball let's let's go and let's take the ball. Um, what what's uh, your first key to the game? I think the the starting off early is going to be critical for all the points you mentioned. I think that's a really good really good point. Um, my my I guess I'd go with uh, you know we've talked about most of what I what I have for keys. Um, I, I'll go with establishing the run. Um, I think it's really important from a game plan standpoint, and I think it's really important from a just a confidence and, and a mental uh, perspective standpoint as well. Um, I, I really feel strongly that Indiana is going to need to run the ball well on Saturday to win. I do not think that they can get this done with a, another sub three yards per carry performance. Um, I think if you if you cannot, I don't I don't want to put a number on it, but I'd say 
getting back to four yards to carry, which they have not been at since the Michigan State game. Getting back to that, I think, is a baseline hope and expectation and really a need for Saturday's game. Yeah, you know, the, the running game's important. It's going to take a lot of pressure off off of Lego in the passing game where they're not, you know, as Wilson said, you know, sending the house and some of these passing plays and, and rushing throws and, and causing uh, sacks yeah. and interceptions. Um, it's, you know, maybe we'll see some some draws in there as well, but you're, you're right. Getting the, the running game going, getting a lead, and then if you do have a running game, you could start using Maryland, you know, give them a taste of their own medicine by helping run down that, uh, run down the clock a little bit and staying aggressive, but keeping the clock uh, moving. I think uh, another key TJ, we touched on it earlier is, is getting back to taking the ball away. You know, Indiana yeah. played well when they have had uh, multiple turnovers. Uh, great push-ups. I have multiple takeaways. Um, I'll get to those later. Um, but multiple takeaways, you, you know, against Michigan State, they had only one, but it was a big one. Uh, you saw it kept them in the, the Nebraska game uh, with the two interceptions and the block punt, um, which they might have found something now on the on these pump blocks where Ricky Jones, there was no block on, but having Ricky Jones with some speed to get by that front line and just get a hand up by the punter uh, has been huge. But just getting the ball back and, and – getting it in good field position for your offense, taking the momentum from them and swinging it back to IU's favor is going to be huge. Uh, it gets fans energized. It gets Tom Allen energized, although I don't know what doesn't energize Tom Allen. Um, so, you know, that, that'll, I think that's, that's huge. Just getting back to, you know, not dropping these interceptions and, and getting the, the takeaways that they, they need to have. Uh, it, it's, we knew that it wasn't going to continue where they would score multiple defensive touchdowns in a game. We knew that. Uh, but I, the defensive players, while they have played very well so far this year, they've also been put into positions where they've had chances to make those plays and make those takeaways, and it just it hasn't happened. Um had one last week that uh, he'll tell you he definitely should have caught. Uh, Crawford had one. It was a fastball, but it, it hit him in the face mask. I mean, there were opportunities there that weren't that were not taken. So that that needs to I think turn Crawford around. Had two. Last uh, week. Yeah, it I just remember either. the one that hit him right in the face mask. I was, and that was at a point in the game where nothing was going right. So just stuck in my mind. But uh, it, it's there's no doubt that they need to get back to that because it your offense in good position, field position-wise, and it, it changes momentum. So um, I, I'm hoping that they can force Perry Hill into some mistakes. He's only thrown two interceptions, but uh, I, I do think there's the potential there for him to throw a couple on Saturday. Or, you know, maybe their fumbles with Marcus Oliver getting back to stripping uh, these young running backs. Who knows? That, that's definitely a, a good point to make is get back to those takeaways for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, finally, just taking advantage of the opportunities uh, that are presented to you. The last two weeks, IU has been presented with with two great uh, opportunities to, to get some momentum back, 
with the interception by Tony Fields against Nebraska. They ended up not yep. being aggressive enough and, and punting. And then last week with the Ricky Jones block punt, they had great field position, uh, a chance to get back into the game, uh, you know, midway through the third quarter, and they went four and out. So just taking advantage of the good field position that you do get, uh, turning that into, you know, even if they, they turn them into three points, that that's huge right now. Uh, you know, if you had a field goal at Nebraska, that gives you the lead. Um and and you know we'll we'll see what goes from there. If if you got a touchdown, uh, you know any any points are good at this point. It's now that they're leaving so many points on the field, and it seems to be in the head of the coaches that you know we, we, we're done taking field goals. We've got to score touchdowns. We've got to score touchdowns. Sometimes it's okay to kick a field goal and just put points up on the board. If you have to, this is how IU stayed in the games last year against Michigan and Iowa was. You know, ultimately they they lost because those field goals weren't turning into touchdowns. But I'd rather have three points than no points. Um, and I think going forward that you know, hopefully Griffin Oaks is now back to 100%. Um, and you know, whatever excuse that Wilson gives him, whether it be the wind or or a leg injury, you know, maybe find some trust in the kid again and and let it, let him rip it from you know in, inside 50 yards. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I'm, I guess we'll go to go to predictions. Uh, I'm taking. This is it. This is it for me. It's my last, uh, my last stand with this offense. I, I felt as soon as the Northwestern game was over, I just, I had a feeling they were going to play well this week, uh, offensively, pull out all the stops and to, to get this crucial game. I, I just have a feeling that it's going to be a good week for the offense. They're going to get to that 30 points, which I think is critical to win this game. Uh, I'm going to go Indiana wins it 31-24, and the running game finally looks competent combined with an efficient day for Lego. Um, I'll take Indiana to win 31-24 and do so by getting off to a fairly nice start for once. Yeah, IU hasn't put up 30 points uh, since uh, since Ball State. State, since the win against Ball yep. State. Uh, it's been a while. Um, you know, it, it's I, I really want to pick IU uh, this week. I think that they usually bounce back. And we said this after the Wake Forest game. They usually bounce back and play their best football after a brutal loss. They did not yep. play well at, at Northwestern. Uh, I I think they bounce back. I think, you know, you're right. This is, you know, it, it'll be tough to pick them to lose against Rutgers. Uh, but, you know, I, I, this might be it. My, my faith in the offense is, is kind of dwindling. But this is, if they're going to pull out a win, this has got to be the week to do it. I think with right. Dan Feeney back, um, being back closer to 100%, 100% game shape, um, you know, with him being in practice, being in the huddle, uh, and, and being on the line communicating, I think that they they finally get this run game uh, back on on the right track. Now I don't know if they they're going to run for you know 250 yards, but you know just break that century mark and and get to to four four and a half yards per carry. Um, yep. Limit the turnovers on on offense with Richard Lego. I I think 
Uh, I'll take Indiana 30-23 to 23 in this one. Uh, Maryland's going to score some points with their running game uh, a little bit. Now, I, I don't think they're going to run for 400 yards, but I, I think that they, they will have the ability to put up points. But IU should be able to move the ball against this team. They need to be the aggressors. So I, I'll take IU 30-23. to 23. Yeah, so we're, we're both predicting a one-touchdown margin. Um, and I think we're both feeling like it's put up or set up time. It's either this week or um, or our, our faith in, in the rest of this season is going to be uh, more than just shaken. So hopefully, hopefully they can come out and uh, play the kind of game we're hoping to see on Saturday. Uh, it's looking like the weather's going to be pretty nice, and um, I'm looking forward to being there. So uh, I I think it'll be a, a fun day. It always is a fun day watching football. Uh, hopefully it'll be a, a successful result as well so we can get back to having a fun post-game show as opposed to taking apart what went wrong. Yeah, um, it would be nice to have another win uh, for our post-game show. But in, in terms of this game, it's you know this is, this is it for IU. This is a very winnable home game. I, it's your backs up are up against the wall. Uh, people are talking about, you know, losing faith in the team and understandably so. And you could see, you know, is this the game where if they don't come out victorious, is this the one that pushes this team over the edge? It could be, it has the potential to be. So it's up to these, these seniors and, and these upperclassmen to make their stand and say that this season's not over yet. Uh, we still have five games left. We're we're going to get that fourth win on Saturday and and power forward and and get to that that magic number of six. So one game at a time uh, is the attitude that they're going to have to take. Um, you know, I, I don't expect a big crowd on on Saturday, even though the weather somehow is going to be 76 degrees. I don't know what the the, the weatherman is looking at, but um, it's hard to believe that it'll be 76 degrees on Saturday as a high. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. So come out, enjoy the game. Uh, we'll regardless have our post-game show probably on Sunday, and then we'll get into Rutgers probably on Thursday um, since I'll be traveling to the uh, New York City area on Wednesday. But thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, enjoy the World Series. Uh, hopefully they, they play today. I know they moved the game up uh, due to, to weather, so hopefully they get that full game in tonight. Uh, but thanks for joining me, TJ, and we'll see you down in Bloomington on Saturday. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. That does it for our pregame show for IU versus Maryland. Come back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football coverage. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. So give that a like, uh, comment on our articles. We'll try and get it back to you. There's been some good discussions. Uh, on on the site, so keep it up, and uh, hopefully we'll come back uh, with the victory on Saturday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. 
It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.